Hey friends, Pastor Brandon here, and we are so excited that you logged on to stream our sermon content here at Community Covenant Church. We pray that it is uh, helpful, enjoyable, and that will help you grow into all that God has created you to be. We have other ways that we help you grow here. And first, that is through our gatherings on the weekend. Um, and it's also in groups as we gather together as the church uh, beyond the weekend. Um, and we are applying this sermon content and the gospel to our lives. And and then lastly, through mission opportunities, both serving inside and outside the local uh, church. And so what we pray is that this sermon content uh, is in no way replacing a meaningful relationship between you and a local church, whether that's our church or another one in our area. Uh, we just would pray that this is supplemental to you and not a replacement of a meaningful engagement with a local church. And so just praying uh, for you as you continue to grow and pray that God continues to uh, help you connect to a group of people that love you and know you. Blessings. Good morning. So excited you are here. We're wrapping up a series called Only God. We want to be a church that only God can get the credit for. And so while we're here, why don't you think of a number? Everyone think of a number. I want you to get a number in your head. Go ahead. We good? We got it? All right. Everyone got a number in your head? Sound good? I totally messed this up in the 9 o'clock, but we're good now. Everyone got a number. All right. I want you to raise your hand if your number is between 0 and 100. All right. Great. Uh, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Come on. I know. I know. It's weird. Uh, keep your hands up if it's zero to 50. Ooh, all right. My point's going to kill right now. <laughs> zero to 10. Even better, yes. Zero to five. Wow, all right. Zero to three. Zero to one. Zero. Negatives. Come on. <laughs> wow. Man, we got, my point's going to kill if that's a... Hey, so here's the thing. As we get older, whether we are 13 or 113, our focus narrows. And that's okay. It's a, you know, our focus will narrow. We know what we are, know who we are, we know what we like, what we don't like, and all these sorts of things. But what begins to dwindle as our, narrow, as our focus narrows is our expectancy. And so the older you get, there are people who do that type of you know, study, right, what we just did. For, for just tons and tons of people, the older you get, the, the higher, that's like 95% of adults will pick a number between zero and 100. Because for some reason, although our focus begins to narrow, which is a, just a normal part of growing and becoming an adult and, be, you know, and growing in our lives, our expectancy level does the same. And so we begin to like, oh, we're not going to get that. Well, I know what I should expect in my life. I know what I should do. I know what I'm going to get. I know I'm going to put this much in. I know I'm going to get that much back. And so 
when we, we struggle with that concept, the, the, but our expectancy level will shrink. And here's the deal. When I asked my five-year-old that same question, he was like, 45 million. <laughs> like, 40, 45 million. That just comes out of him. 45 million. And I, maybe there's something to that when, when Jesus says, let the children come unto me. Now, this is how faith should be. Because to my five-year-old, the world is still 45 million big. But for some of us, the older we get, our world becomes like three or seven or maybe like 90. But the older we get, the more expectant we, the, the less expectant we become. And this is why I think when Paul says this in Ephesians chapter three, he's trying to get us to do something. He says, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. He's saying as you glorify God as a church, as you glorify him, you will see immeasurably more than you can ask or even think. That you, like you might ask for 10, but more than you think might be 45 million. And so the, 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 the concept is if we want to become an only God church, if, if Community Covenant Church is an only God church, a church that only God gets the credit for, then we need to be a church that sees immeasurably more than we ask or think. Like, we actually see it. We actually, like, there's something, like, to what we're talking about. There's something that happens here, that happens in our body, happens in the community, that happens in us personally and through us communally. Like, there's something that happens if we want to be a church that only God can get the credit for. We want to be an only God church. We have to see immeasurably more than we can ask or think. And so right from the text, we have to really just see, okay, what, if, we need to, if we're going to see immeasurably more than we ask or think, what do we need? What do we need? And we're just going to move through this real fast as we, as we continue on in today's gathering. Number one, if we want to be an immeasurably more church, if we want to see immeasurably more than we ask or think, we need a God who is able. Number one, we need a God who is able. Now, God who is able, our God is able. Maybe someone needed to come here today just to hear that. Our God is able to do immeasurably more than we might ask or think. You might have a high expectancy level, but you don't have a God who's able to do it because you got you that servant as the Lord and Savior of your life. But we have a God who's able to do, and what is, a God, what is God able to do? That's always the question, right? A good cynical, like, well, what is God able to do? Right? I mean, I, me growing up, uh, we have... I go into these church gatherings all the time, but God is able, and the church would be like, yes! Be like, and I'm like, why? Was, was he able to do what? What's he able to do? God's able to do what I believe is his mission on earth. That's what we say all the time. That God's, God's church doesn't have a mission. God's mission has a church. God's mission is to see all people and places changed by Christ. God's mission in this world is to see everything reconciled on a personal level and on a cosmic level level. And so as we move into a new season as a church and we, and we get ready to launch this vision of seeing, uh, seeing these different steps taken and cha- lives changed, 
uh, we wanted to reword the, 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 our mission statement a little bit and kind of wordsmith it because what we did the last number of years, we had seeing lives changed by Christ as we participate in the restoration of all things. Right? Nobody can say that. <laughs> right? Everyone's like, oh yeah, I knew that was our mission statement. Our mission statement, we wanted to reword it a little bit just to make it a bit simpler to remember. But also, we wanted to communicate not just personal reconciliation, not just personal movement, but cosmic movement. That, the, that Jesus wants to change your life. Like if you're here today and you don't know that, that he wants to do something in you that will, that will satisfy you for the, next, the rest of your life and put you at a rest that you've never known. And so he, that's, a people, that's a people thing. But then there's also places that when the body of Christ is doing what the church should do, they're not just going to church, but they're being the church, that you see regions change and you see things take place and you just see things change. And we believe that places can be changed when we are changed by Christ. And so we want to see people and places changed as God does his work in us and through us. And so we have a God who is able. What is he able to do? He's able to change our lives. He's able to change our region and he wants us to participate in that. Are we tracking this morning, right? God is able. He's able to do it. He says, that's what, he says, now all glory to God. Who is able? Through what? How is this ability taking place? How is his work taking place? He was able through his mighty power at work within us, Ephesians 3 says. So we need a God who is able. Number two, if we want to see a measure of the Lord, we need a mighty power at work. And it says it's not just our power at work. It's not just our idea. We're not just a nonprofit organization that's just doing our normal things. We are God's local church. And so it's his mighty power at work within us. If it's our work coming out of us, we'll get tired and quit. This whole vision, this whole concept, this whole idea of participating with God, seeing the restoration of all things happen. If we, if we do it by ourselves, we quit, we're done. But it's his mighty power at work within us. And so what is that mighty power at work? It's the gospel. It's this good news that Jesus is Lord and we don't have to be. It's this good news that, man, we don't need to be floating around just desperate for affection or desperate for answers, that we can be at rest in Christ. That Jesus, through his death and his resurrection, wants to connect you back with your creator. And he wants to change your life. And he wants you to look a lot like he created you to look. This good news that, man, we don't have to keep striving for the stuff in our life. This good news that we can be at rest in him. It's this burden lifted off our shoulders. It's this life that's changed. It's resurrection that's possible even though you're, going right, you're, you're moving right through death. And so the way we constantly try to shape that and form that and we grow to become more like Christ, the Bible gives us the healthy marks of a disciple in a church. The healthy marks of a disciple in a church are what our values are as a church. At Community Covenant, our values are these three values. Number one, it's worship. You, we want to we shape people of worship. People that have a pursuit, a hunger for God, that have their identity and their satisfaction at rest in Christ. You don't need to go somewhere else. You don't need to go to somebody else. You don't need to move towards something. We don't need to live for the weekend. Every single aspect of our life is at rest and has satisfaction 
in Jesus. We have worshiping. That means everything coming out of us, exuding out of us, the glory of God, rising up past the level of creation to the creator, thanking him. That way when we eat a good steak, we're like, oh, thank God, right? Or tofu, whatever, whatever you got. I don't know, wherever, wherever you're at. All people, all places, right? So our worship, our identity and satisfaction are at rest. Number two is the community. You weren't created to live life alone. You were not created to live life alone, not in isolation, not in codependency, and not in, ind- not in, not in independence, but in healthy, with healthy boundaries, healthy relationships with each other. As we bear each other's burdens, as we engage with each other, as we love others the way Christ first loved us, you grow in relationships. You can't do this thing without being meaningfully connected to relationships at all. You were created for that. So God wants to shape worship in you. He wants you to be at home in him. He wants you to be changed. He also wants you to have healthy relationships with other people, be known, be fully known. But then also we want to shape people of mission where our purpose in life is to participate in the restoration of all things. When you wake up in the morning, whether you're a construction worker, you're a lawyer, you're a doctor, wherever you're at, when you get up, you are participating in God's good creation. You are participating and contributing to the ongoing creation of the world by helping restore it and, look, and redeem it and look, have it look a little bit more like Jesus planned it for it to look. You are engaging in that. When you're working with wood or you're working with people, it doesn't matter. You are engaging with God's world. And he says his world is good. And you're calling out the goodness. You're calling out the beauty from within it. And you're saying there's redemption here. There's resurrection here. And there's, there's hope that can happen right here in the midst of this life. We don't need to wait to die and then go to heaven and everything's fine. No, he said there's something here that he wants to call out He wants to see resurrection take place now so that when we're with Jesus, we can see the fullness of what he asks us to see now. And so we want to see people of worship, people of community, people of mission so that we can be a healthy church and healthy disciples. We can see the restoration of all things take place. And so there's a mighty power at work. Colossians 2 says this, that when this work happens, he says, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him that your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. How many want to just live a thankful life, right? Like that's just, man, that's just a better life. It's just a better life. He gives you the answer for how to do that. Let your roots grow down in him. Build your life on him. You want to have a thankful life? Let your, let your life be built on him. Let it grow on him. Have a home. Find rest in your creator. It's a better way to live. I mean, there might be someone in here that needs to hear that today. And so we need to, we want to be an immeasurably more, we want to see immeasurably more. We need a God who's able, a mighty power at work. I'm just going to kind of move through these rather quickly here. Number three is accomplishments that exceed what we ask. He says, he said, God is able to do immeasurably more than we ask. You know, the, the, the less our expectancy comes, the, 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 the smaller our expectancy level is, the less we ask. The less we ask. We'll do the same thing to people. The less we expect from people, the less we'll ask them to do. I, I say, you know, if I, I had a good week, if I said thank you over 100 times, because that means you needed something from somebody else. You needed to ask something, someone to be a participant, to, 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 to engage in a relationship. If you're a manager in here, how many times do you say thank you? If you're engaging work, you're on a team at work, how many times do you say thank you? 
if your life is rooted in Christ, it says that you will overflow in thankfulness. How often do you do that? But our expectancy, small of our, the small expectancy that we might have, we, we, might even not believe, we might not believe that God can do anything in our lives. Or if we do, it's just very small. He says, no, he can do more than you even ask. And so what we're going to do over the next season of our church is we're going to ask him to do a number of just four things. We're going to ask him for four things. And we're going to constantly ask him for these things and just ask that God would do this work in our church. And so our mission to see people in places changed by Christ uh, will be on display when every person is on mission to, see it, to demonstrate intentional public witness, meaning we want to see 300 people baptized. This, when we invite them, invest in them, to, to, to in, in acknowledge the work of Christ in our family and friends, we want to witness to the power of God to our family and friends. We want to see 300 people baptized over the next three to five years. We're going to ask God to see 300 people grow through our growth track. Growth track, if you've never been a part of our growth track at our church, this is the introduction to how to grow at Community Covenant. It gives, you every, it, gives you, it gives you insight into every aspect of who we are. Everything from our mission to our vision to the way we grow to, and, and then access to all of those next steps. We want to see 300 people take this next step because what they're doing is they're taking a step to grow, taking their first steps to grow. We're going to ask God um, to help us care for the last, least, and the lost. So our prayer is to see over 50% of our church actively engaged or creating missional change in our region. What I love about that, we, we, have, we have people all the way that's happening, it's happening already. People who are working every single day of their lives wanting to bring missional change. Like every day, they're using their spots as lawyers, they're using their spots as doctors, they're using their spots and roles as teachers to help bring and call forth this resurrection that Jesus has for this world. They're already doing it. We got uh, we have people that are then on top of their already normal jobs, they're starting organizations and they're starting things to say, we want to do this with, with every aspect of our, of our hobbies and seeing that happen. And we have people that are investing in volunteer positions right now here inside this church, whether it's in the band or in the production or it's all over the place. People are engaging to see missional change because when a church is healthy, it's not just based off how many people sit down, it's how many people we can send out. And so we have a church that cares for the last of least, and we're going to ask God for over half of our church as we grow that would continue to see missional impact and change. And so we want to also pray that God will help us invest in the next generation. Our students and our kids are not the church of tomorrow. They are the church of today. And we want to do all that we can to help them experience and know Christ on their level so that when they're older, they know that they have a God that's close. They know they have a God that's close, and we have a great work happening in all of our family ministry. We're seeing, we're seeing students and kids wanting to get baptized, taking next steps in Christ, um, and, and acknowledging that there's a God that created all things. It's incredible to take next steps. So we're praying that over 1,000 unique children participate in our kids' and our student environments over the next three to five years. We're going to ask for that. God, we want you to ask for that. We, we, we just want you to do this type of work in us and through us. And so the question is, do we believe that he's able to do that? I mean, if our, as we grow, our expectancy shifts. What if, we, what if we could look at these numbers and be like, 300, that's boring, pastor. Why can't he do more? The question is, what, what, do we believe that this is actually able to happen? Because here's the next thing. If we want to see immeasurably more, it's more than we can ask. He says it's more than we can even think. It's more than we could even think. If we want to see immeasurably more, our expect, that means our expectancy level has to go from 
3 and 5 and 10 to 45 million. And it's not this thing that's, oh, I show up at church and that's cute, Pastor. You're paid to do that. No. Gosh, if we could be a church that understands that he can do immeasurably more. He's like, he's like 300, man. I do that like literally in a Sunday. I do that. And a Sunday, I do that on a Sunday in Rhode Island. I do that on a Sunday in the smallest town, Warren in Rhode Island, right? Like, it's, like I, that's the type of work he does. We need to bring our expectancy level much higher so we can know that we serve a God that does immeasurably more, than, not only more than we ask, but more than we can even think. Like, well, look what he does. Man, look what he says. He said, there's a posture of a believer in here. There's a posture, if you believe that Jesus is Lord, that you know that he's able to do way more than you could ask or think. Look at 1 Corinthians 2. It says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Man, so if you love him today, you can't even imagine the goodness that God wants to flow into you and through you. You can't even imagine it. And we, I'm just afraid that we can settle so quickly on a Sunday morning to say, man, I did it. I got God off my back this week. No, he wants, he wants to blow your mind and change your life. He wants to blow your mind. He wants to give you just this, imaginable, this unimaginable level of love. More than we could ask or think. And so, you know, I was thinking about this. Like, what, if, what, what can we do as a church um, to just expect that God's going to do more than we can think? And I just think, what if we just had the, if we just had the healthiest structure? We had the healthiest structure. Now, like, I'll get to prayer in a second, because some of you are like, what if we pray? That's a good idea. Let's do that. I, but let's, let's just start. Get, bear with me here. What if we were a church that had just a healthy structure? We were, where we have an elder-governed, staff-led, volunteer-operated structure where we're ready for anything. Right? The elders, they're, they're ready for the next three to five years, and they're just praying that God would direct us. Right? Praying, discerning God, what do we got? Where are you working? How can we help you? Where are you working? How can we help you? And then we have staff leading us towards that. And then all of our church, all of our volunteers are helping operate, create environments where these life changes takes place. And then all of these structures together, we're just on our knees begging that he would do more than we could even think. What if we could do that? What if we were that type of church? That we just had this, like, this posture. Like, oh, God's going to do more. God's going to do way more than we could even think. And our hearts were just on display. Like, God, man, you're gonna, I know you're going to do more. That when we come on a weekend, it's not just about showing up, but it's about begging that God would do much more, that he would heal us and change us and move in us so that he can move through us throughout the week. What if, he, what if we believe that? And so our expectancy level needs to grow way high. You could be like, right now, I'm thinking about not just participating, I'm thinking about leaving. This guy's crazy, right? And that's my job. I gotta be the crazy one so that we can all do this together, don't we? I'll take on that mantle. I got it. I'll take it. I'll just give you me a reason to already do what I do all the time, right? God, let us be a church that just expects immeasurably more than we can think. It's okay to do that. The Bible teaches us to do it. If we want to be a church that sees immeasurably more. We need a God who is able. We got that. A mighty power at work. We're fostering that. We need accomplishments that exceed what we ask. We're praying. And accomplishments that exceed what we think. We're structured for it. We're ready. We got buckets that are empty, waiting for God to fill them. 
And if we want to see immeasurably more take place, we need a church that gives all glory to God. No one, no one person can withstand the glory that God is meant for. And so this isn't a church that's built off a pastor or pastors, not built off personalities. We're built off of one thing, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's got to stay center. It can't be about the communicator. It can't be about the worship leader. It can't be about whoever's doing anything in a community group, whoever's doing anything in, a, in the lobby. Except we'll, we'll keep the people handing out the donuts. We'll just keep those, right? That's it. We can glorify them maybe a little bit. But, but, but glorifying God more than all things exuding from our hearts and exuding from everything that we do is this praise rolling up to the creator. That we steward everything we get because everything we know comes, everything, we know everything comes from him. So we want to see immeasurably more. We need, to see, we need to see a church that gives all glory to God. The Bible says that when we lift him up, he draws men and women to him. When we lift him up. And so it's our job. We're going to do the work of the church. And we're going to be the church as we worship him and glorify him, lift him up so we can draw men and women. Now, he's been doing this for a long time. This, it, you have to know that, you have to understand that when you give glory to God, you have, we're, 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 we are connecting ourselves not to our mission, but to God's mission. God's church, our church doesn't have a mission. God's mission has a church. His mission flows through us. And we have to have this mentality. We have to have this trajectory or else we're going to mess this whole thing up. We're going to begin to think it's about us for some reason. Or we get to think, we're going to start to take credit for all the good things that happen. We're going to start to take responsibility for all the bad things that happen. We know. No, no, all the things that we're responsible only to glorify God and steward what he gives us. And so we want to be a church that reminds ourselves that the trajectory is not just about our mission and bolstering ourselves up and being prideful about everything. No, we have a profound humility. We fall underneath the creator and give him glory because we know it's his mission that flows through us, not our good idea. Can I get it? Amen. Come on. Right? And we, this, is a, this is an idea that goes all the way back to Abraham. Abraham, this, this guy in the Old Testament, that God gives a promise. I'm going to tell you the story real quick. This idea of community covenant church goes all the way back to Abraham. And we're going to tell the story real fast. A loving, holy God creates all things. All things are good. Everything created results in praise to God. But sin enters into this and fractures it. Now we look at the elements of creation for our joy. And after a series of really bad events, God says, I'm going to start over. And so he goes to Abram in Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 12, and it says, and says to him, he's going to fix the world. Through Abraham, he's going to create a covenant community, and through his community, he's going to restore all things. He blesses Abraham and says, all the nations would be glad through him in this community. That creation will draw near and be reconciled to God through them. And the whole Old Testament testifies to this mission. His mission will move forward through this community. There is, after the Old Testament, there's 400 years of silence, but Jesus shows up and starts saying that I have come not for the healthy, but for the sick. They would have known this language because they know the promise to Abraham. Not for the sheep of this flock, but the, for the sheep not of this flock. And the story continues. Jesus announces that he is the Messiah. He's the one who's going to fix everything through his death and resurrection. 
and he was the one that God was pointing to for years. And then he takes his disciples onto a mountain to say that all authority is given him to go. Where should they go? To all the nations, preaching the gospel of Jesus. And so Abraham, this promise to Abraham is, is being fulfilled as the disciples move on from there um, to say all authority, they, they, they go on from there. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes and everything starts off and running. The first thing that happens is Peter preaches a sermon in Acts chapter 2, talks about how everyone killed Jesus in the most unsensitive sermon ever preached. The crowd is cut to the heart, they repent, and literally 3,000 people are added to the church. A couple chapters later, we see an additional 5,000 people. In less than a year, we see over 8,000 people join God's church. But there's one problem. They're all Jews. That's what the Bible says. They're all Jews. But at, so at this point, the nations aren't glad. They aren't drawing near, and there's an outside, it's like an outsider-insider thing. And Peter takes a nap in Acts chapter 10. And God tells him to eat some meat they think is unclean. Big deal for him. Peter says, oh no, man, no, not for me. Because last time I was in the garden, I, like, I'm on thin ice as it is. I already, I, already, I already denied the guy three times. He welcomed me back. Everything's good. I'm going to take it easy. And Peter says, oh, and so, so, but God tells him if he made it, it is not unclean. At the same time, Cornelius, a man who's a Gentile, not Jewish, is having experiences with God and is directed right to Peter. And Peter starts to unpack the gospel to him. Before he even finishes, Cornelius gets saved. Not only Cornelius, but his entire household. So now Peter's like, great, what do we do? This isn't supposed to happen. And so in true, true church fashion, they call a committee meeting. And, uh, and, and they find out, and the question for this committee meeting in Acts 15 is to, wonder, is to figure out if God can do what he just did. It's amazing, I love that. They get everyone together and debate, and they decide very graciously that he can do that. Thanks so much, Acts 15. Appreciate that. But here we go. From this moment on, we got something special. In 37, the year 37, Paul meets Jesus and writes over 75% of the New Testament. 42, Mark goes to Egypt. 49, Paul heads to Turkey. 51, Paul heads to Greece. 52, the apostle Thomas heads to India. 54, Paul's on a third missionary journey. 70, Christians are exiled from Judea and spread through the land. 174, first, the first Christians are reported in Austria. 280, the first rural Christian churches begin to emerge in northern Italy. Christian is, Christianity is no longer strictly urban, and we're very thankful for that in Rehoboth, aren't we? Can I get an amen? 350, uh, roughly 53% of the Roman Empire claims to be Christians. In 432, St. Patrick heads to Ireland. Now, we have any Irish men in here? Come on. Gregory, 596, Gregory the Great send, sends Augustine to England with a team of missionaries to reintroduce the gospel, and with a year, they baptize close to 10,000 people. The first Christian missionaries arrive in China in 635. 750 Irish monks reach Iceland. 900 first record missionaries reaching Norway. In 1200, the Bible is now available in 22 different languages. 1498, the first Christians are reported in Kenya. In 1501, Pope Alexander VI grants Spain all new discovered countries in the Americas on the condition that provisions and funds and men are made for the religious instruction for the native population. 1517, Martin Luther nails the 95 Theses to the doors of the church in Wittenberg starting the Protestant Reformation. 1612, the first Baptist church is found in England. And in 1634, over 40 other Baptist churches are planted. 1638, our boy Rod shows up, arrives in America after pastoring some time, and starts what is now Providence, Rhode Island, planting the first Baptist church 
in America. 1700, the first Baptist church builds, uh, building raises up in Providence. 1774, the, the, the one that's there now is there. 1764, Brown University is founded for the purposes of training Baptist missionaries and ministers. In 1820, a revival breaks out, check this out, in Providence, and over 500 people profess faith, starting new congregations off Dudley Street, India, and Fox Point, North Main Street, and spilling over into Seekonk, Massachusetts. This is what Moses Brown has to say about it. And this guy, Anson Parter, uh, we should, we should uh, name some folks Anson up in this place, shouldn't we? has experienced a stunning transformation from rejecting the Bible to calling it the most consistent book he has ever read. Uh, Stephen Gano said this about this time, this exceeds anything I've ever seen and think it can be said that God has visited every home. Dexter Thurber opens up his cotton manufacturing plant off of Thurber's Avenue um, uh, uh, for, a ch- for a new church to start in. Uh, so, so this massive revival breaks out, spreading out. 1895, the first Baptist church in Attleboro started. 1939, independent Baptist congregants from Attleboro begin meeting, and Grace Baptist Church starts on County Street in Attleboro. 1971, members of the Grace Baptist experience an awakening of the Spirit during the charismatic renewal and start Faith Bible Chapel in a living room on Oak Hill Avenue in Attleboro, Mass. In 1972, Faith Bible moves to Sweet House in Attleboro to sustain their growth. In 1974, Faith Bible moves to their first building in Norton, Mass., and start a home to serve the elderly population. 1987, Faith Bible sells everything and begins, to meeting at, begins meeting at Hyman Fine School in Attleboro as they seek fresh vision for a new season. 1989, Faith Bible Chapel changes their name to Community Covenant. 1991, Community Covenant moves to Tremont Street in Rehoboth, Mass. 2001, Community Covenant replants their church for the sake of long-term, sustainable, and reproducible kingdom health. 2006, Community Covenant is challenged at the Global Leadership Summit to care for the last, the least, and the lost and begin training hundreds of teachers and farmers in country of Haiti. 2015, Community Covenant realigns with fresh focus on the gospel that would lead to 60 baptisms over the next three years. And in 2018, we have a church that only God can get the credit for. Can I get an amen? Come on. Come on. We have a church that God talked about to Abraham. See, God's, mission, God's church doesn't have a mission. His mission has a church. We're one local church in God's global movement to see all lives and see all people, to see all places changed by him. And if we want to be an only God church, we have to come to expect this. And so we want to be that type of church. See, I, what I believe God does is it starts out in the heart of a person and from there it just blows open into a movement. And so we have a choice today. Are we going to allow our focused lives to lower our expectancy of a God that created the entire universe? Or are we going to do our best to understand that he says we can do, we can see immeasurably more than we can ask or think. I believe that God's going to do that. Amen? Amen. We're going to start that step. Today we're going to celebrate a a baptism together uh, because what he's doing is changing lives, right? We've seen over, this is going to be our 30th baptism this year. It's going to be the most in our history. Uh, this year, and, and God's going to continue to do that work. We're going to believe for 300. So this is literally number two of 300 today.
we got it. We got this, guys. We got this. And what God's going to do is, is going to change others. So we're going to celebrate uh, the baptism of Nick Ross today. Here we go. When I was a lot younger, I was obviously being baptized as an infant um, Catholic. And then when I was probably elementary school, so third, fourth grade, um, my parents got baptized Christian. So I didn't really know at that point what it meant or anything like that. But then right around fifth grade, so I was, I don't know what age, but fifth grade, um, we, came, we started coming here to Community Covenant, and that's, they had the whole youth part of it, so that was a lot different, because before, it was like a family in a pew, and it was kind of hard to like understand the pastor, and I didn't really get it. But when they kind of separated me, that's kind of when I started to understand what God and Christ is all about. And so I really started to embrace it there. And when I started going on the Monadnock retreats, that's when it really like hit me. Like, I want to be a follower of Christ. I want to know what he's about. I believe it was the last, the last like big service of Monadnock. They were playing just the music. It's just their choice of songs were phenomenal for the message too that went along. It just, they went together perfectly. And I just kind of like, I raised my hands and I just belted out the words and it just felt great. I mean, beforehand, I was kind of, I mean, I guess just going through the motions being a kid. But when I met Christ, I kind of felt like I have a purpose that I want to find out what that purpose is. At the same trip to Monadnock, after that service, so it might have been the day after, um, it was me and a couple of friends. We all pitched whatever money we had to get one of the bags for Haiti. And so I, after that, I kind of just generally wanted to just spread joy and because the world right now is very, very um, not messed up, but it's not ideal and it's missing God's love and I really want to try and help it help spread God's love. Today I'm choosing to be baptized because I want to help spread God's love to the people who need it most. grow over the years and uh, to go from seeing you know about God to actually knowing him and having a relationship and, and seeing your life literally be changed by Christ before our eyes it's been tremendous and, and to hear how you want to discover your purpose to see lives changed um, to the least the last and the lost it's something that we're going to celebrate as a church so let's pray Father we thank you so much for your son Nick we thank you for uh, the fact that your spirit stirred something up inside his heart and that he's gone from knowing about you to knowing you and having a fruitful relationship with you. Lord, we can't wait to see uh, the fruit that comes uh, from Nick as he, as he reaches out to spread your love into the community. Lord, we're excited for Nick and we're excited to see all that comes of him. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Nick, do you believe that Jesus Christ is Savior and that he died on the cross and rose to conquer death for the forgiveness of your sins. Well, with that, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Well, I was uh, raised in a Baptist church um, with my family uh, as a small child. Um, it was a church that 
we've gone to for years. I brought my kids into that. Um, eventually, we got away from the church, um, and I would get to church once in a while here and there, but I never really got back to the church. You know, years later, um, you know, I was missing the church. I always had a love for God. I was always, I always talked to him. I would talk to him in my car. Um, whenever there was something going on in my life, he was the one that I turned to. But um, I was missing something. And um, I started having some issues with family members and things that were weighing on my heart. And I wanted to give it over to God. But I struggled with completely letting go. Then one day I was riding in my car and I was listening to a certain song on the radio and that was my moment where I'm like, I realized what I was doing and that I had to hand my problems and my life over to God. I was, I was hitting bottom, like rock bottom, you know, and I was putting up a front for everyone because I didn't want anyone else to worry. I don't know, that song just hit me and when I heard it, and I, I was already thinking about, about, you know, baptism and doing what I believed I should be doing. And, um, and then when I heard that song, and um, that song made me think that I had a fear of letting go, you know? And it brought that up front for me. And that, that was the week when I went to church and I felt everything go. You know, like, I, I felt like my heart just rose up and my joy and my soul just rose. And before I met Jesus, I was just living my life with struggles and fear and not knowing, you know, where I was going or... And now I have a focus. I, um, I, I have a freeing feeling. I, I feel content and happy and faithful and joyous, and I want to celebrate my love of God. All right. Well, Linda, it's been such a pleasure getting to know you, and I'm so happy you shared your story with the church, um, going from struggle and just living life day to day to having that release and that freedom and that joy. And I love your story too, how your family has interacted. You came when your sister got baptized months ago and that kind of made you think, you know, maybe this is what I need to do. This is where I'm, I'm going to take a step. And I know your sister's rejoicing. Your, your mother, even though she can't be here, you said she had a huge smile on her face, just like all of us do. So we are just so happy to celebrate with you. Let's pray. Lord, um, we're so grateful to celebrate Linda's new life today. Um, she has seen what you can do in her life, the joy she can bring, and I, I pray, Lord, that you just continue to fill her with her, your Holy Spirit, that she can be a light to shine for those around her, that your love and joy will work through her life, and Lord, that she will seek your guidance, seek out the life that you have already planned for her, use the gifts you've given her 
to really help your kingdom come here on earth, Lord. Um, we pray for the church that we can stand around Linda and guide her and love her and encourage her. And Lord, I pray for those people in Linda's life or who might be here today who are thinking they're ready to take this step. Give them the courage, empower them, give them people to speak into their lives so that they will be ready to, to say, yes, Lord, I want to follow you. Bless Linda as we baptize her today, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, go ahead. Linda, are you a true believer that Jesus was your, is your Savior? He died for your sins, and you are ready to proclaim that you are turning your life over to him? Awesome. Well, in that instance, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Congratulations.